Welcome to the Spit Out. I'm JK Disc Golf. Alongside me in studio, it's been a while since I've been here. Yeah. Swiss Cheese. We're going to be discussing the first disc golf major of the season, a brand new one, too. Champions Cup. What was your first initial thoughts? Was this a good major? Does this live up to the hype of the first major of the season? Yeah, and I, I love the course. The course is great. And you're talking to a woods golfer. So, of course, I'm going to love this course. A lot of difficulty, a lot mm -hmm. of placement, um, and uh, enough like aggressive looks to make things really interesting. Whenever you're throwing eagle possibilities out there in the woods, a lot, the of, woods, them. A lot of, yeah, of them, like that. That's enjoyable. So you, you can close gaps, you can stretch leads, and it's about hitting pure lines. And I think a lot of it is just the thought process of going ad aggressive, disking down, and, and the benefits of both. Mm -hmm. And I, I think with what we saw in the winners over this weekend, it really kind of played to that skill set, in, in all honesty. But great venue, historical venue, Anytime WR Jackson's a course where it seems like super difficult, but yet for some reason it's so scorable, especially when these players are on and dialed and hitting their lines and hitting their putts. We saw like Paul McBeth, we're gonna spoil that like real quick, but I think it's everyone knows at this point, you know, shooting 16 down the course record. It's obviously that a lot of these holes are not only birdieable, but eagleable. I would say there's almost I think three solid eagleable opportunities where where if you weren't at least getting birdie on those holes, you felt like you were losing a lot of strokes, which we saw actually come into play quite often, especially some people for going for the win. Yes. And yeah, man, that 16 was an outlier. Like that shit's just fucking bananas. Four strokes over the the next highest. And it's, it's, we're going to jump into another one. It sucks for Gannon Bird to also get 13. Uh, yeah, get the course record. And I wonder, like, all I can think of is, do you think he knows now? Do you think he knows Paul oh, shot yeah. 16? Because like, just imagine going off the course thinking you shot the course record just to hear, yeah, actually, Paul McBeth shot 16 under, beating you by three. And I'm, I'm, yeah, it's always interesting who the guys are to work. Like, Eagle always says he never looks, mm -hmm. but he, I'm guessing Gannon is on that phone or somebody's on that phone for Gannon constantly. He seems like that type dude that needs to know. Okay. That's interesting. But I still feel like at the same time, where it's like, we're going for a course record. I could see you not want like okay. at that point. like, I understand like you're you, I mean, obviously he jumped up to the fifth place. Cause he was putting up a fantastic round. I could see just himself like, you know, trying to stay in the moment, stay in the zone of just like capturing that more so than whatever his place was going to end up being. Yeah. I, that's a good point. I mean, but oh, I, I, that'd be such a bummer. To, you know what I mean? To yeah. get the course record, hit that, and if you don't know, and then look at look at Paul climbing twenty spots, yep, crushing it with a sixteen under. Like, yeah, man, I'm going to bed a little pissed. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, just, I'm, just, or I'm gonna go a practice putt or some <laughs> shit, and just be like, fuck. And just, uh, just, as much as that's to say, I think that that. Paul Brown is just historical. I don't know if anyone will ever touch 16, and if they do, that's just absolutely insane. No, and now we get looked forward to all Paul the Go Goat seaweeds all over again. It seems to happen like every other day, and then awkward silence. I, and then <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, where there, you know, there is a lot of the Paul McBeth. I don't know if they're yet to be called a cult. I can see why someone will make the argument of that fan base trying to be a cult. Not so as much. I think only Paul McBeth, however. But those fans are very vocal of, especially when Paul does good, because for some yep. reason they think that everyone has it out for Paul, where he's not being celebrated for his achievements, and I just don't think that's true at all. I think Paul is 
it, it, just because someone doesn't say he's the undeniable number one disc golfer in the world right now, which I don't think is true, they get up in arms and they try to like show off his, you know, like his spectacular moments more and more and more. But I think at the same time, you devalue him, especially when he puts together some mediocre rounds and you're left with silence, like you said. Yeah, man. And it happens in every sport. And, that, and that's the only thing that, like, we're in full agreement on that. Is I just don't. Like nobody's challenging the greatness of Paul. Yep. Nobody's challenging that when Paul is on, he's the scariest disc golfer on the planet when he's on. Do you think it's we're past the point of calling there being a debate between Ken Climo and Paul Beth being the GOAT? Like is that not yeah, a conversation? That's gone. Okay. That post, yeah, yeah. Like it's almost getting laughed. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like I and it's not, and it's also because there's so much new people to the game that it's almost too far in the past, and, and mm-hmm. there's not enough coverage, there's not enough video, and this is where like new players have an advantage where this sport's going to end up going. Uh, but uh, yeah, the climo talks only for the old disc golf heads, man. Yeah, like they're the only ones fighting that, and I get it. Harder discs. I understand all the arguments, but what disc golf is now and what he has done is greater, period, period. Just with competition, just with courses, all the whole nine. And don't get me wrong, Climo could huck it. Like, we get all that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not disparaging that, but this conversation is already over. Mm. And especially when you're talking million-dollar contracts, you know what I mean, record-breaking steps in the game, it's Paul. And, it's Paul. and everybody acknowledges it. And, and I think everybody is like, has this weird thought of we're hoping for the, like the, the de- steep decline. Nobody's rooting for that. Mm-hmm. Like, but we just understand the competition is better. Ricky's lights out. I think Dickerson's at the same time, it's out. like, there's more people to root for. Like yeah. you don't need to just pick like the, the one guy who's tearing it up every tournament because now we're not, you don't see that. You see a lot of people doing good. You know, a lot of different times and because i i will 100 agree and when i look back at when i first started watching disc golf the only reason i like would watch coverage at all was to watch paul Beth win. i would turn off coverage if paul was not in the lead or not in it and i mean granted i was you know 14 at the time or whatever and the only thing i could watch was spin tv european open stuff um but now it's like you click and you watch all these videos where like paul that's not even in them and then yeah. there's just so many new names you can yeah. follow and I think it just that's when the conversation realized it's a little bit less biased, and you're not, you're seeing a lot less wins going on too. Because like like I said before, it used to be like every video you watched, Paul was winning. So yeah, and the and the sport needed that. I don't mm-hmm. think we need a Grand Slam winner anymore. Like, don't get me wrong, it'll help. Like, and it'll that skill level will definitely help. But as far as like where the game's at, we don't need that. We needed that when Paul did it. Mm-hmm. That's when we needed it. We we have the competition is getting great enough where we don't need it anymore, and I, that's great for disco. No, and I agree, but I, like, at the same time, I don't think it'll ever be. I don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that it's gonna even be close to ever happening. Okay. Yeah. Dude, just think how hard that is. Yeah, and, and it's such. It's it's so much. Yeah, the there's only so right, different. In, the, in the last five years, there's only three people to win multiple majors. In a year, in the last, total? in the last five total, oh, in the last five years, last five years, there's only three people to win multiple majors. Can you know who they are? Well, we know Dickerson just got his second. Yep, that's Dickerson with USDGC, and then now Champions Cup. And then you're gonna go Paul, who's probably got like 14. 
15, we 17. Did, see, I told I told Swiss this uh this question before, but I didn't tell him the answers. Paul has five. Oh shit. Not 14. Um I was thinking like wins, because I know him and Paige had that little thing. Okay. Um and that's like, five. That's Pat, like you're yeah. Yeah. Mm, Ricky would be my only. Nope. Ooh. Conrad? Yep, Conrad with Worlds and then USDC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have known that. Yeah, you should have. But yeah, so like that's obviously showing just how hard it is to win majors. And at the same time, it's just look at Paul McBeth's majors. You know, how many he's won on top of other tournaments as well. It just seems that he really shines more than any other player in the major. And, you know, tournaments that matter a little bit more. And this is, you know, taking ninth place at this one after, you know, coming in after rounds where it felt like he was completely out of it. Um, but it's probably it's what Paul McBeth, Paul McBeth does. Um, yeah, dude, that score is like most people's two days. Like most people would be glad to have 16 he, under on two days. Well, Paul McBeth shot like he shot 16 under in his first three rounds and did it again in just his final round. So that just shows how ridiculous it was. But at the same time, shows how much he left out there in his other rounds, you know, putting himself in position to where not necessarily going for the win. I don't think he's going to necessarily be mad at the ninth place after coming, you know, after you know, that final round, of course. But at the same time, do you think Champions Cup is going to get the same prestige as something like USGDC, as Worlds, as the European Open? Do you see that being like talked about yet, or is this going to be like a couple years in the making if it continues to you know do great things? I think it's yeah, it's got to be in a, a couple years. I think as the notoriety comes and people don't really understand the history of the course, you got the the museum or the Hall of Fame. Yep. I mean, yeah, like that stuff. I think is gonna only grow it and it's a tough little course it's it's a fun to watch but like you said it's still scorable still scores um and and it's cool to watch people dice it like it's Mm -hmm. really neat to just watch people and dickerson was just carving carving in the last two days and like just parking lines annies there's nothing better than like a beautiful slow Annie in the woods, yeah. just missing everything and like just carrying. And he, he did it several times. Um, and, and with a Ricky there, you know, Ricky, it was head to head for a little bit, probably going into the final five ish holes. Yeah. And to do that, the, the man's got a game, and people need to start recognizing if they're not. Chris Dickerson is, I mean, I think he's getting recognized more and more as we see him. Uh, I think there's always the occasional people who, you know, speak out against him just because I feel like he doesn't play the entire tour. There's a lot of times where he takes breaks, especially towards the West Coast. But I think this is the type of disc golf that we see Chris Dickerson strive in, those woods where you have to hit lines, where you're putting yourself in position. So it's really weird to see because of that. I think it was like two years ago or last year where he was really – his step up was what something was like so dialed in, so nasty. I feel like he stepped away from that, and I wonder if that is – I don't know if affecting him a little bit more because it's just it's just a little different to see. I don't know. It's hard to explain. And maybe that's just me. me I know he added it because he was worried about footfalls. And I think yeah, and, yeah. And, and like to me, it just seems like I don't know. It's very nobody's calling footfalls. So yeah, I worry about yeah, football. something like that. Because I feel like there was, and maybe my eyes are just uh, seeing things, but I swear Ricky kicked as many at one point, and no one even batted an eye on it. I understand like it means nothing, but. And I mean, I wouldn't call it because, you know, whatever. We're not calling it. Um, 
I saw, what ha- I saw what happened when Nico called him on a football. You think I'm going to call Ricky on a football? <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is. It is funny how like people talk about the Nico thing where they're so uh, worried about his retaliation. But I, I feel like he's like the first person to call rules like that. Maybe yeah. not necessarily on time, but he's all I've. I think all footballs that I've actually seen be called, except for one, Nico's been the one to call it. And I think it. I think he does it in a way where it's like egregious. Like it's not a pettiness of about it. It was like, hey, that's that was bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Because yeah, I, how can you watch that and just be like, yeah, you know, especially when it's on camera too. It's like everyone just saw you and no one's gonna call it. Like how how does that look? Yeah, but man, no one's gonna call that. No, no I understand. Yeah, no one should at that point, in my opinion. No, I agree. It's just like it's very, especially when it's on camera. It's on live. It's coming down to the moment. It's just like. You clearly saw a rule, and I man, I feel like because I'm definitely not this person to like care about the rules and like that. But it's just super. It's interesting to see what's on live and like all the. Like, what would someone who like is outside perspective say if they just saw like, oh, you can kick your mini, oh, you can do blah blah. blah. It's like that's not a good look. Fair. And like, how many people are doing that? Probably not a lot. Maybe like, you know, no one's probably doing that. But there's the rules, hounds, man. There's you know, there's like tons of. It's like one that. more thing where I could see someone like seeing the unprofessional lot, unprofessional side of disc golf, where it's like, oh, you guys don't even care about your rules, like something like yeah. that. Where, okay, you know, and and like I said, at the end of the day, I'm not someone that really cares about this, but at the same time, when you're looking at the, the sport as a whole and taking it seriously, I think this is maybe one of the sides where I would understand it being Fair. in that way, just because that this is an easy way, in my opinion, to instead of going to the extreme of professionalism, this is like a kind of, like a compromise. I feel where both sides can agree on that. Yeah, and I think you're right. It, it legitimize. It's all about legitimizing the sport, and that's what's going to help along that ways. But let's get back into Dickerson because I don't want to say, man, I, I don't want to say Ricky blew up. And sounds like you want to say Ricky blew no, up. I, I, just saying, that's what like, it sounds I, like. I think, I think Ricky's last two rounds, I think Ricky would definitely come back away and say, hey, I left strokes on there. You know what I mean? I should not be – he should be at like nine, ten double digits almost every round in his head, mm-hmm. right? And, and don't get me wrong. Dickerson putting up at 11, put that pressure on, and, and absolutely did it. But Ricky with a seven, I think, on the final round, that you know what I mean? That's yeah. with a two-stroke on – Dickerson with Heinberg hemorrhaging early and still having that lead. You know what I mean? Like that's like what I'm just trying to say. Like, I I think Ricky left a lot of, didn't look crisp. Um, and at times looked great. And, and Dickerson was just so smooth. Dick, Dickerson went out and got the win, but Ricky didn't make it difficult on him for me to say that. No, I agree. I think he wasn't really putting the pedal on the metal, especially just throughout the round, you know, he started off two birds, and that's when I felt like, well, we're, we're, oh, yeah, we're, we're, in, yeah. we're in Ricky Cruz mode, especially with Calvin behind him. Yeah. He's going to keep pace because that's what Ricky does. You know, finding unfortunate bogey on five, but then going three in a row for Turkey, it seemed like he was kind of cruising as well, found his way into a bogey, and I just felt like Dickerson was able to, you know, avoid bogeys, so all his birdies mattered just a little bit more. And especially towards the end, 14 through 18 birding, all those holes, not necessarily going for the eagle at times. We even saw him play safe on 18 because that's all he had to do. But I think the one thing that comes down to the difference was I think both their circle one was absolutely insane, both, you know, going C1X 100% the final round. And then what set them apart was Dickerson's 50% from circle two. We definitely saw Ricky dropping a few putts that not necessarily we would see him typically doing. Uh, I think that that was what stepping was apart. You know, they're both able to get themselves in circle one, in circle two, but Dickerson was able to capitalize on a lot more of those circle two putts. 
So can I ask a really off the wall question? Let's hear it. Who's more popular in disc golf world? Dickerson or Heimberg? Oh, I want to say Heimberg. I, you know what? I want to say, oh man, they're both like not great at social media. They both <laughs> do not push themselves, I feel. And I think that. I'm trying to think of who's been on like more special stuff, and I feel like Kelvin is not on a whole lot. He wasn't on a lot of skins in the beginning, but I feel like I see Dickerson on a lot of the skins too. And the only thing yeah. I could see is like he does shine. Both of them do shine on like coverage on the course. Yeah, we're in their comfort zone. Let's say yeah. But I think I see Dickerson on other people's stuff more. Gotcha. And I think Discraft does a better job of putting himself on the social media. And he's gotten a little bit more wins. I think the wins help a lot. Um, yep. Okay. I, yeah, I think more people like Dickerson. I really? Do. I don't. Okay. I, I got nothing of support. I think I think people just prefer Dickerson. I'm like, I don't I. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, this is very it, off the wall. Yeah, it's I, it's obviously close for enough for me to ask, right? Sure. Like, but it's like I really think it's Dickerson. And man, another thing that people's going to be awkward if anybody stayed for the celebration speech. Yeah. The dude's a man of little words. Mm-hmm. Should the commentator bring that up? Maybe not the best choice. Probably not. Probably <laughs> like, not. You gotta kind of. Lead with some open-ended cupcake softball, like man, how's that buzz working? Or you know what I mean? Sure. Like allow them to stretch those answers out instead of saying, "Hey, you got anything else to say?" Yeah, that was kind of no. unfortunate. <laughs> I can't believe so you couldn't just like think of something like on the spot, like shit, like plug something, right? Yeah, sponsors, like how Discraft's like, "Hey, man, what the fuck, bro?" Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on, man, we're right here. Like, so and is. It's what his second win of the year, too, right? Uh, yeah, I believe yeah, so. I want to say second of the year, the win, second big one. Yeah, it's not like he's not been there. They, but I get it. I and that's as much as the announcer. It's, as, a, it's his third one if you're counting third. silver series. Okay, third. Yeah, he had two silver, right? No, he had an open at Belton. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. Open at Belton, Music City Open, and now the Champions Yeah, because he was like the winner of the silver was what we we're kind of yeah. Yep. So like, but yeah. It's 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 interesting to not have that charismatic winner, but like his disc golf is so strong that it's it's hard not to appreciate it. He's someone who just goes out there and does his thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, birdie in the last five holes speaks for itself. And his like the the one thing that I, that shocks me about Dickerson is like you don't really get that like snap that you get from like a a few other like top five players, like a Drew, you get it from Paul, Ricky. You don't really get it from Dickerson that much as as just that like crack of the bat snap where you're like, man, he yanked on that or he, you know what I mean? It's all this like a really one smooth consistently flow that like carries himself to the angle that he wants. And it's really just impressive. It, it is, it is quite impressive to watch, but I, I'm really a fan of him. Um, other big majors for the MPO. We had a um, Babcock. 100% circle one, the entire tournament. Four days, four days. That's impressive, man. It's that's, super that's, impressive. Yeah. That's, like, that's, that's, that's really, and, and what's this? I think this was his first finish outside the top 50. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Doing hell of a fucking day for four days. 
That's awesome. And to be be in that card, like no, that'd be kind of tough, you know. Yeah, like to be on that that. card and seeing what Dickerson's doing and like still hitting. But at the same at the same time, when you say that, you know, we were talking bad about Ricky and Calvin seven down. How do you feel about Babcock seven down? I think, yeah, Babcock. Babcock's, yeah, Babcock's feeling great about that. Like okay. a seven, I think he his normal day he's looking at a seven and nine, roughly. Okay, right. you know what I mean. And I think Ricky starts floor starts at nine, nine okay. up. and shooting. So you're really thinking that he dropped the ball in the seven? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I I really feel like in his in his hearts of hearts, not getting nine or above is inexcusable. Because you're not going to win the tournament if you don't shoot no, nine. Yeah. I, I understand the thought process yeah. there. And, and same with Calvin. Both both of them are thinking no less than the nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no less than that. And don't get me wrong. I think most of the rest of the field eight is solid. Eight is boom. That's where I don't I know, when you're looking at. There's a lot of tens, a lot of eights. You know, people get scored on this, man. Yep. Yeah. And I'm talking just the base. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, but saying. like, yeah, I think most are shooting eight, trying mm-hmm. to hope to shoot eight. Or going in and be like, hey, if I get eight, it's a good day. Or if I get eight and I missed a birdie look from circle two, I'm feeling even better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's where the difference is. But hell of a finish, man. To, to be up there, do it on final card. You know what I mean? And he was scrambling out there. He was doing some different things. It was really interesting to see. I love getting players up there. And names out there and everything along those lines. And another one is Coriolis. You want to talk about yeah. cuts, dude? That dude's dirty. I mean, that's what he's known for, especially last year. You know, breaking the record for the most circle one X on the entire season. I mean, I I never felt where. I mean, he was at like twenty five feet. I want to say, and Philo was basically up. That's guaranteed. And I was thinking, imagine getting like on circle's edge and just considering that in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. When we're on the course, there's certain ones where, like, you there's a certain distance where, like, I got this. And yeah. To be able to stretch that from maybe like 15 to 25 to go pin to 30, and no, I got it. Unless I, I'm straddling it or, you know, to have that percentage, it'd be interesting also to know, like, how much was an obstructed putt, mm-hmm. straddle. And still hitting those because that's that's still that number is still sick, still sick, still sick. Like if you really think about it, mm-hmm. like because there's plenty of guardians, plenty of drama. You got stuff in the circle at this last hole that was in a gully, <laughs> yeah, like, putting up, and your twenty footer feels like a thirty because it's mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like so, like yeah, Coriolis is really really impressive tournament. I th- I think. A lot of people are going to kind of walk away appreciating his game more. And and I hope he carries it for the rest of the season. I I think with his putt, and as long as he's lining and hitting fairways, he's going to be up there. He could be up there as long as he's hitting hitting that stuff and playing that one. You know what I mean? And you've seen other players have stretches where they're like lesser known you know what I mean? Players where they play solidly for like the three tournaments. Like mm-hmm. I think like Raven Newsom last year or like, you know what I mean? Where they just hit that stretch, hit those courses and like just ball out. You know I gotcha. I mean? Yeah. So, and I think Coriolis might be in that same degree if he can just kind of get it run. Cause man, if you're putting that dirty and you know, you're going to be, 
Yeah, I think when it comes down to him, especially when we go into like courses like W.R. Jackson, where yes, you need a little bit of distance, but a lot of it is coming down to like just hitting your lines more crisply. And you know, a lot of the circle one, circle two putts are going to be you know elevate your your seat as well. And I think this is where we see again Corey Allen shine because of the his ability to hit his lines and you know staying away from the golf courses where you know a lot of people I feel like are limited because they can't throw the 500 to 600 feet that is necessary. But, you know, you can throw controlled 300, 400-foot shots at, like, courses like this, and you're going to be all right. So, speaking on that, let me ask another question. Yeah. Is Matteo bad, or is this a course that plays to his skills? Well, I think to start, I think it. it, this is obviously a course that matches up to his skills. I think that it's pretty on doubtable or undebatable that sure. Matteo shines in the woods. I think that's pr- pretty much where he made a name for himself last year. Um, if that's what I believe, but it's not, not to say that he can't play on, you know, long. I think he's can still bomb and especially his roller game. He can get to like a lot of distances, but overall I think his ability to shape shots, what's made his name. Yeah. Watching what I was able to see. I'm confident to say Matteo is back in my opinion. Um, and back just from you know what I mean surgery and everything along those lines new new sponsor not really too worried about doesn't seem phased by it I'm not seeing like any part of his go-to shot be really affected mm-hmm. with with the new disc and everything and I think he's I think he's back and a Matty O in the top ten is good for disco. You know what I mean? He's another person to root for, another character, and he's different. I can't wait till he wins like a major or something. Something uh, big where he can just like go nuts. uh, Yeah. Like, (laughs) like full like champagne, red lobster celebration. And he'll like, dude, Matty O will like live it up for a week. He's like that guy who like, who has to celebrate their birthday for a week. You know, um, you know what I mean? Like Matty O is rocking that <laughs> win for like a solid week. And then like a month later, he'd be like, Hey guys, you remember that time when I won? <laughs> like, it was so awesome. Right? Like Matty O would just ball. It would be great. It'd be, it would be so cool. I, I would love for that to happen. There'd be nothing cooler. Do you nothing think he's cooler. capable of it happening? Do you trust Matty O's ability? Yeah, oh man, because it's still when you're putting him, you know, those guys where you're like, man, every time we see prefer major, there's always like three out of those top five guys who are yes. always competing. We had Dickerson, Ricky Calvin, one, two, three, right there, and they're always putting Paul's name up there. Eagle kind of didn't shine as much this year, but when you still look at it, the rounds, and I, I think it's safe to say his rounds were not ideal, <laughs> those were not no. Eagle McMahon rounds, he still took top 15. Yeah, um, so I would. My feelings on Matteo is that, like, he is just – he's there. He's in the picture, but he's not – he's, like, a half step off. And I don't know what it, necessarily what it – like, don't get me wrong. I look at his putt, and I'm like, how can anybody putt that? Yeah. Like, but it works for him. So, like, it, like there's aspects of his game where – and maybe that's what I'm judging is it. because it's so funky at times. Even his drives are, like, air bounce. They're super – it seems like, yeah, yeah what people say don't drive like, that seems like sometimes that's what Matty O does. Yeah. Obviously, it's still a good form and it works for him, but and, – And maybe that's why I just feel like he's a half step behind because it, it just doesn't feel as neat. Or organized, or compact, or you know what I mean. Like I, I just don't see it that way. But I don't think he's far. 
I, I, I think he's there. And if his roller game's on and has an opportunity to use it, he could be there. So do you think Matty shines more in the Woods game, or does he, he shine more in the open? I, yes. I'm not going to argue to, in the Woods far better. Okay. I'm not going to debate that. But there are a couple of those golf courses with some lines where he can take advantage on some of those courses also. Where he, most people will say, oh, golf course bomber, and there's still enough shot shaping OB lines where he can still do his thing. Okay. So, at and he did it last year, do enough to get the contract that he got this year. So it's cool. I, you know what I mean? It's really neat. But I think that's – oh, Emerson Keith? That I think if we're going to talk about Emerson Keith, we also have to talk about Gannonburg, both putting – oh, we actually did. Yeah, we Gannenberg. did. We hit yeah, I don't think we ever said he took fifth, though. Did we? No. But that, no, that round did get him in. Because he's someone place. that, like, we're looking back at, like, people who are still considered young guns. Then Gannonburg, his, his name's got to be at, like, the number one spot. And I think that when we look back at some of the people that we talked about, you know, Kyle Klein's the one that I'm really in particular talking about because I think he was the, the 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 newest young gun who's no longer becoming the young gun. I, I'm going to explain yeah. it like that because we have someone like Gannonburg taking over that role. Uh, Kyle Klein's really, I think, undershined this season. I think that he hasn't really done what was expected out of him, especially going into the season at what, like the sixth or seventh in the world rankings. I think that's going to soon going to drop because he's just not putting up those numbers. I think he took a lot of 20th places. I don't think he did too great. Um, he, I mean, I know he didn't do too great, but I can't tell you the exact. Oh, 27th, you know, tying for 27th. Oh, yeah. I was going to put him in like that 15 to 22. And he's still in the world rankings as number eight, but I think again we're, we're seeing him take not so great rounds. I think especially yeah. taking, not only talking about taking outside the top ten, taking outside the top twenty-five. He, that's something that's definitely going to drop him, and then it's going to be time to reconsider, especially when someone like Gannon Burst taking top five in elite series events. We've seen him Dude. sort of compete for the win, you know, again the playoff. I guess I, mean, I shouldn't say that he he one hundred percent competed yeah. for the win at Vegas. Like, the the Burst having a secret scary year thus far. Like, yeah, and I think that he's had a tournament where he kind of fell off, but I think that when people don't realize, I think the one thing that really shows Gannonburg's ability is his circle one, circle two ability, more so than circle two, because it's something he throws it in like a bullet. It's like, yeah. and really, who Gannonburg reminds me of the most, and someone who I've been really advocating for and really wanted to push, Anthony Barella. The way they throw, maybe not necessarily, the mechanics aren't necessarily the same, but I just think they still have the same like I don't know how to explain it, but the same like robotic um, feel to them, as well as the same way they putt. You know, it, it, it's a hundred percent all the time. They know again, not the same mechanisms and the same form or anything like that, but they both go for it one hundred percent of the yeah. time. It just so happens that the one thing that I've been saying that Anthony Brella needs to be part of the you know the conversation is that consistency. And I think Gannonburg has that consistency, yeah. and he's so young to just continue to get better. Still in high school, he's so dirty. Yeah, like yeah, and then. For him, I want to – man, I'm trying to, like, put back – he he had that – was it Vegas or no? I can't, I can't remember. Man, I, but he, was, he, was, well, he had, had him I and Drew head-to-head. Him to Drew head-to-head. He was been – he's been up there in the top ten on a couple others. Yeah, so he took second at Las Vegas, you know, was in the playoff yeah. against Drew, taking seventh at Texas State, fourth at the Open at Tallahassee, now taking fifth at a major. Yeah. Yeah, solid season thus far. Pay attention. Wake up if you haven't gotten on the gamber. And I don't want to hear any bit of the noise. Same with Nico is taking. No, dude, he he does take a while. He does take a while. I I get it, but I'm willing to to deal with that to appreciate 
what he brings to his shot. You know what I mean? And we're not talking terrible, but it that Vegas was really bad. But he's gotten a lot better also. But yeah, Gannon Burr, Gannon Burr is doing big things, and I think it's going to continue all year. I really do. I don't think nothing's stopping him this year. I think one more last name that I want to talk about because I'm really disappointed. Not disappointed, but it's time to, I think, consider the conversation of has Simon Lazat hit the the play, the skill where he's considered like a germ, like a Yuli, like a Sexton. Oh, I get you. Like more of like, like – you know, He's an every yeah. once in a while guy fighting for a top 10 spot or a win, but it's not something we're – you know, debate or we're watching every single week. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're surprised. So what you're saying is basically you're surprised if he's there. Kind of, you know, yeah. taking 35th at the champions cup. And I don't, and you know, he's obviously taking a lot more time off in this season because of having maybe. his kid. Mm-hmm. So I could see why maybe he's just not feel like he's ready, not warmed up or anything like that. But you know, like only people are only getting better, you know, he's only getting older. And like, I feel like he's been like, yeah, he was at one point, one of the younger guns, but he really wasn't that young to, you know, to start now, like the Eagle or the Gannonburg or the Kyle Klein. Yeah, I, I, I think life has hit him in a good way. You know, no, and I agree. I agree. Yeah, COVID made him get more popular. He saw the idea in the, in the interviews. He he's even admitted it, like not having the desire mm-hmm. to win. Like he's the guy out there who just wants to vibe on the course. And if it's going to be a seven and he walks away feeling good with what he did, yeah. That's- so do you think that Simon should, you know, start to consider going into more of the like the media guy, maybe a commentator or something like that? It would be interesting. Like it would be if if the DG PT was really trying to make a move, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we all know the talks and the criticism. If they're really trying to make make, make a big move, big splash, more sex than Simon. If they're really trying to dive into the Brian Earhart on the course. Oh yeah, that that's that, that, I think that's our like guilty. <laughs> like, he's good. People like him I, though. He's okay, like he does a great job. He's honest. awesome. Yeah, he's really awesome. And he's in a position where he can do that a lot. Cause, you know, yeah. I think he retired from professional disc golf. I think he, we might see him come back every, you know, I don't know. But uh, it's, from what it seems like, he's retired from the actual play and he wants to fill in roles like that. Yeah. And, man, like, that's the one thing about the broadcast kind of going a little off topic is like, and I get that it's difficult to use, but that call in or the person on the course could be something really great. If they mm-hmm. went to it a lot, especially on like those tight, real tight, like final hole, like, oh, they got this look from this. Da, 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 da. There's a time in the FPO. Um, there was a couple of instances that um, the disc golf. What is it? Disc golf guy. Yep, the disc golf guy. Yep. Um, he provided great input as far as where the disc was, what was this position, where they were at and the interestingness of the aspects of that and just getting that in real time really heightens the pressure and, and that's what's going to make for a good broadcast. They can't go to it though. They, they can't, there's too much delay. There's too much like static. It's not a good connection. They really, I think the only way they can go to it is if it's like forced ahead of time, you know what I mean? And then they're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And even then it's not hitting a hundred. Like, like it's just not, but I think it's like with the right person, with the right technology that could it's kick that coverage to a whole nother level. And, and another person, like, I like Philo. I'm not sure if everybody else is Philo. I don't I don't mind the Philo, Ian. I, it's not dramatic, 
I don't know. I'm not like the biggest fan of it either. I'm not also going to be the one like advocating for it to switch or anything like that. But I will say we were watching it or we're listening to it on the course today. And the one thing I guess I look for, and maybe this isn't what is necessarily wanted by everyone, but I want to like know what's happening if I'm not like watching it. Yeah, fair. But I guess I could also at the same time, I can understand why that could get annoying for the people that are watching it because you don't want over analysis yeah. of everything. No, that's a good point. We, they, we did listen to it on the course and it was kind of difficult to follow. You know what I mean? A- apart from a few side notes of like, oh, this is off or this. You know what I mean? So, but maybe someone should like do that. That'd be like a cool podcast or something style where someone just goes live and they'd give their own commentary on it, but it's like consistent, like a play by play. Oh, that would be kind of If anyone wants to do that, Kirby's just golf will sign you. <laughs> that, that would be kind of neat. I think it would be kind of cool. I think it, it would be difficult, more difficult than the necessarily post coverage because of how much they pop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The other chase. You know what I mean? But it's a simple, like, from the chase, we got such a touch. It, yeah. it could work. You know what I mean? You could probably do it. Yeah, that would be neat. I think that's enough talk about the MPO. You know, congratulations to Chris Dickerson on winning the first major of the season. I think that Dickerson is kind of proving himself to be someone who has got to be in the more of the conversation. Yes. Slowly absolutely. becoming one of the best disc golfers, you know, competing out. Yeah. Just to see other majors too, is who could continue to win more, um, can, to be on more of the list of the win multiples in the top last five seasons. Yeah, he should be. He's awesome. But going into talking about what we talked about, not necessarily 18 being too critical for the last hole for the MPO, but it came down to pretty much everything in the FPO, a three-stroke swing. It was, it was difficult to see. You know, Christian Starr seemed to be not necessarily dominating, but she was kind of cruising, you know, keeping pace with um, – keeping her lead with, with Paige, you know, trying to charge. And then just on that last hole, things just went a little wrong. Dude, on that approach – so here's my problem with this heart. Like, versus which I, I don't think Tatar and Paige were shooting lights up. By far, you know, neither of them. Um, Paige was a little bit early and pulled a few. She was not great off the tee today. Anybody who was watching can definitely see a tone to that. Tatar, her forehand was not working all day to where, which is a surprise because that's usually a strong suit of hers, right? But it was not locked in to where she normally should. And for her to take that approach at a forehand instead of a step out backhand was a huge mistake. It undeniably, like, I, I can't believe you're questioning a professional disc golfer's. I choice. I get it. I yeah I know it's the fucking couch warrior. I understand all that, but like it's just not happening. I know it's in your bag. I know you feel confident. I get all that, but there are days where it's not working, and mm-hmm. you just gotta let it go. And I, and I, she just kind of gave that away. She really gave that away. She knows it. She was devastated. I. I couldn't imagine losing that way. Mm-hmm. To, you know what I mean? Yeah. To on a hole that she just torched May, all other three days. Especially when I'm looking at like the other people around her, it looks like everyone birdied it. You know, yeah. even Kona, you know, eagling it. But when I look down the list, I have to go down to like almost the the tenth person, and that was then the first person that hasn't birdied it's, it. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, and don't get me wrong, it's scary. Anybody who can bur- to eagle that, mm-hmm. I get that. But you only have to shoot. Birdie, like you only need a birdie, mm-hmm. and and at the very worst, it's a playoff. Yeah, you know what I mean. And just it's a simple up, simple up. I wonder if that, any of that pressure came into her head. Of, of, of I do have to, because I mean, I've looked at Christian Tatar as one of the persons who I think have like the least nerves. I've never seen yeah, like stress in these in these pressure situations. If anything, she's pressing more in these situations than strides in these situations. But I just don't know. This, this just one wasn't it. You know, going plus three in the last two holes, just you know, that's not what's yeah. going to win you a tournament. And that, man, and that approach. Putting her on that stressful putt, and granted, I, that's a tough putt to hit. That mm-hmm. that first putt, brutal putt, stretch out, 
full out, obstructed. I understand she straddles. I get all that, but it was a tough putt. Mm-hmm. Nobody's expecting that. Is it in her range? Would you be surprised for her to hit it? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But it was still a tough putt. And I don't, I, I even understand like the difficulty of that, but man, such that air bar, air ball to go circle outside circle two, get into circle two on that miss. And after that, it was done. As soon as that piss was, that, as soon as that putt was missed, it was over in her head. Like she had no confidence coming back on that. You know what I mean? And, and that's a tough spot to lie. We've all been there. We've all walked up to a disc where, you know, we didn't have the confidence in it. Or it's like, man, I, or especially after like a bad up. Like when you go a bad up and you're like, oh man, I'm within 30, but fuck, I should be within 15. That puts that much more difficult when you have that. And in a major, and it would have been her first, right? If I'm not mistaken. I can't speak on that. Okay. Right. I should be able to, but for some reason I can't. Unless, yeah, I know she's got a Euro. That's what I was. I, that's yeah. what I'm more questioning. Is like, wait, did she? Didn't she? See, now I'm like playing. Yeah. Did she not she win? Didn't win did she not win Euro. USWDGC? The women's national champion. Yeah, did she not? No, that was Paige. Hmm. I think that was Paige. I swear to you, I don't know. I feel really bad for having me knowing that, but yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't sure be surprised if she was something, won something in the European side as well. But then, and you're right. Like, I would have never thought it. Like, she's been stone cold staring down putts and hitting them. You know what I mean? In the in the past. And I think, like, a bad up, man, there's nothing more worse to a putting game than a bad up, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Especially with my game. Like, if I have a bad up, that putt is that much. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that. Like, <laughs> there's no other way of putting it. So I, I get it. And man, it's a tough, it's a tough win for Paige because Paige doesn't want to win that way. But you know what I mean? She took advantage of it. She put the pressure on. She put her place, put herself in that position. Solid win. And, and it before the last two or three holes, the competition really played to a great tournament mm-hmm. with that head to head on it. And and it really broadcast well to what we were all expecting. It was terrible to end that way. And and Paige doesn't want to win that way, but it you know what I mean? It's another feather in her cap. Another major to add to the another title. You know, race to, to nineteen or nineteen or twenty, whatever it is. Yeah. Oh man. Getting uh, another one on uh Paul too. Yeah, she's definitely gonna be she's definitely gonna I think, she, I think she, I think she is. I don't know. I don't know. How far away is she? Like four? She might get more it this than year. that. More than that, I think. She doesn't think she gets it this year. I think there's a, you know, when it looks back, I'm not again not saying Christian Jatar necessarily gave her the because she, yeah, I don't know. Paige still did great things because she still birdied it. But I mean, this one doesn't. I feel like like a Paige Pierce win necessarily in my because when I think of Paige Pierce wins is you know. It's not necessarily, not necessarily has to be dominating, but when I'm looking at her scorecard, you know, it's like I see three bogeys and a double bogey, and I understand she's got a lot of birdies that go along to it, but, you know, shining my, shooting minus one the final day from behind doesn't necessarily feel like the biggest win in the world. No. And that just, you know, obviously she's still won the major, you know, yeah. congratulations, but, like, you know, moving forward, you know, I don't necessarily have all the greatest confidence that she's going to just win the next major. I get you. There's a lot of hope. I, I see what you're saying. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that, like, Evelina gave it away. I think judging by Evelina's reaction, she felt that way. Tatar, you mean? Or Tatar. I'll say, whoa, not Evelina. Sorry. Tatar. Um, I think judging by her reaction and her emotions at the end, she felt like she gave that away. Or, or she knows she gave that away. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's that bad to say, especially when the player themselves think that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um 
And Paige is a little different this year. I don't like watching her. Like she, she's doing like this weird, like inner mindset, like settling herself. And I don't know if it's the best for Paige. Like it's weird. Well, I think it almost thinks to me, like she knows that her time of dominance is coming to an end of, you know, obviously she's looking out here to win tournaments, but I don't think it's going to be the, the historic numbers anymore. Yeah. She could always come out and win worlds, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. Not saying it ever was, but it's no, no more like, so not. Maybe the rest, like just watch her. Like next time you see her, like she's doing a lot of like settling, a lot of visualizing. Seems like you know her post round talking about not ever winning isn't everything. Yeah, like having an argument with her dad about it. I mean, she got really emotional about this. Was so something yeah. that she obviously you know is taking into consideration. And I don't know. It's, yeah. it's definitely interesting. It's not that like a winner's, not necessarily a winner's mindset, but it's not like, not the champion's mindset, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, and it shows, I'm not, I'm not talking negatively. It shows the growth of her. Yeah, like, I it's, agree. It's really, it's really cool, but it, it's just different. And I don't know at times if it hurts her or affects her. I think sometimes it does, because yeah. especially because, you know, obviously they're all friends out there, but there's definitely times when you see Paige Pierce just like, feel for other people on the course yes. you know yeah. i i think that some of the tears in that post you know interview were because she knows that tatar kind of yeah. you know lost it and she felt bad for her you know we yeah. see times when when she gets beat she's the first one to go hug her opponent oh, yeah. you know share that moment with them yeah. she loves the growth of the fpo field which again is not a bad thing at all but when you look at someone like paul mcbeth you know and to compare to like the goats in the in the mpo side like if you ask him about winning i bet you he'd say something about winning wanting to win every single tournament yeah you know, right, that's just a different mindset that they have. Yeah, if you're gonna go out there, it's about when and I think I think she yeah, Paige is doing a little more vibey, like, hey, I'm I wanna just perform my best. I wanna be my best. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And wins will happen. You know what I mean? And it's kind of neat to see, um, especially that growth, because she used to be cutthroat. Like yeah. she 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 used to be just brutal. Like, you know what I mean? It didn't matter, but like she did the right thing. She put herself in the right spots. The granted, the day is not the performance that she wanted. The two days prior was more the page we know, right? Mm-hmm. Like both of those neck fours, both of those days really put her for the decision to be here, right? So just having two days of stacking that. Um, yeah, but it, it's she's there. There there is some offness, man. Like she was she was definitely pulling definitely early. Now, the thing that I will say about the how this is page has gotten better. It didn't affect her as much. No, I've noticed that, that too. I think a lot of her shots now, she's not really letting it get into her mindset. Yeah. And I've seen her laugh, smile, you know, you know, after some big misses were in before, there would be like a little bit of Paige Pierce melt, not necessarily meltdown, yeah. but there was definitely a lot of emotion that came along with it. Um, And yeah, that does seem to be coming away. And again, I don't know if that's good, bad. We'll see. It seems to be working kind of right now. Um, and another big one to hit, Cat on her final day. Another course record in the FPO. Yeah, as, as that's dope. Neg seven. I, I, man, she climbed up there. I don't know how many spots, but it was definitely double digits. I want to say 13, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she Jesus. jumped up 13 to take a top five. Yeah, that's huge. Especially Sorry. with the way the caches were laid out, as much as everybody wants to complain about those. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that does make a difference, you know, especially on tour. And for her to climb up and get to even, I think, right? I think it mm-hmm. is where she also even finished. Even on the tournament. Top five. Awesome, man. That's that's huge. And next seven in the FBO field, 
and most male disc golfers would be bananas. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Everybody be walking away like, holy hell, that was a great round. But like Kat destroying it. It's a shame that she, you know what I mean? It's good that she was able to final uh, end on a good run, fi- hit the final day like that way. But you know what I mean? When you shoot that well and you had three days prior, you got to assume as Kat that if I got four days, I got to be up there earlier. You know what I mean? The, mm-hmm. This performance aside, her not being on lead or chase is almost unacceptable. Yeah, and I'd say this is a course that more suits her game. I think yeah. she said that at the beginning with two is she's going to shape her shots, and we just didn't see that, <coughs> see that besides the final day. And then you got Sarah Holcomb rounding the top three finish. So you, you know what I mean? It was a it was a two player show at the top, first and second, but you also had Own and Holcomb. Yeah, which is cool to see. Like three. again, these courses, like we talked about, these allowing opportunity for more of the names who are better at hitting shots. A lot of the circle, um, not a lot of their putts and a lot of their shots. Uh, you know, Sarah Holcomb able to show her forehand ability, not necessarily being able to get down the fairway all the time, the farthest, but she shines, but she's able to you know throw her flex line, throw her you know forced annie lines. Man, and I, I'm gonna say this. Everybody who says, like, oh, Conrad's great because he can perform in the woods without a forehand. How come we don't say the same thing about Sarah Holcomb? We should. We honestly should. Absolutely. Her her in the woods on only a forehand only, for the most part, is still obviously in a top three finish with the rest of the FPO field. And it's something to be said. It To to isolate yourself, your game, to a single approach or – 90% of a single approach and still have the confidence to do that on all courses is something to be said. And, and it should be celebrated more. It should be witnessed more. And it's, it's a testament to her training, her ability, her skill set, and her work ethic. It, it is really special on this course forehand, where there's some of those where I'm like, what is she doing? Like, no, I, yeah. I just don't like, I'm like, why not go backhand here? And it still works. Still works, and it still works for her, and that's awesome. Um, couple of others to round out, yeah. Well, I think a good person to talk about first is Valerie Manahanu. You know, oh, yeah. we, we talked about you know coming out of Texas. I think this is you know the first course that we've seen outside of Texas, and I think this is a big challenge—not challenge, but this was a big course to indicate the Woods' ability. You know, maybe not necessarily competing for the win, you know, losing by ten strokes, but you know, taking a sixth place. I would say this is not necessarily where she was the entire time last season. So I would say consistently taking top tens. Yeah, she's not. Man, I I don't think she's going anywhere either. I think this Mm -hmm. is going to be an all way all year thing, and I think I've said it before. Granted, outside the top five, still a top ten. She's been doing it all year thus far. She's going to continue it. I think this is going to be an entire year. Very impressive, Uh, and she's putting it together. And and I this tournament also is another tournament she's beaten Kona Panis, who again credit to her. Take top 10. That's yep. what three top 10s in the last three tournaments. Yeah, that, we got to say it. The top 10s are top 10s. She hasn't scratched the top five yet, but nope. You know what I mean? Getting well, she took fourth at the open at Tallahassee, but I think if we're talking about elite series where like the yeah. entire field's there. Yeah, fair. I, okay. We'll give her the credit on the four. But and, yeah. you know, I talk a lot about, you know, kind of Panda still being disappointing. Again, seasons early. I understand she could still pop off, especially in courses that more suit her game. But I think that to still say that she's not the most disappointed, the, the player that disappoints me the most going into the season, Avelina still takes that. She, well, you can't be airballing seven footers, you know. And we we saw a glimpse of what she could do if she started hitting a lot more circle one pause with round one, shooting three down. And that I really thought that that was going to be like a step in the right direction, where she, yeah, oh, she might have yeah. figured something out. But then you know, still losing fifteen strokes. 
to the field. You know, and she didn't even put this isn't even her worst putting performance. Yeah, she's 40% from C1X or 45% from C1X. And that's not her worst. Yeah. And that's not her worst. And like the crazy thing is, you know, we look back at her driving stats sixth in fairway hits, fourth in parked, first in C1 in regulation, first in C2C regulation. She's still putting herself in position for all these birdies and she just cannot capitalize. Yeah, man, I don't. And this is kind of the interesting with disc golf is like, you know, in other sports, you got like hitting coaches and you got swing coaches and you got, you know what I mean? You got people that really can kind of break down the game. And I, I really hope that I'm sure disc golfers are helping her with their game, giving her tips. But she, man, at, at this point in time, I don't know how you don't. And I, I understand the argument. Try to stick to your routine. Do what you know is good. It feels good. But the way you're putting at this part, I don't know how you don't just do a drastic change. You have to. It, I think it, I, I, we're at, I think we found the point where it just has to be it. Yeah. Right. We talk about Kona, but I, I just never remember Kona blatantly airballing seven footers yeah. at the point that Evelina does. And if, and if I was working with Evelina, I'd put her in a straddle right off the bat. And that way, at least you're going to be less likely to pull, in my opinion. I think she needs to st- – and again, I'm not – I should be no one to give yeah. uh, tips to anyone. Yeah, you know, because yeah. they're the professionals. But it does seem like at points where she should just switch to a push putt because a lot of the times people sure. talk about the push putt being easier to just, you know, focus on the one location where you're not going to be missing left and right. And I feel like a lot of that time coming for that flip strike – that. Ri- wrist flick where it's kind of unpredictable especially if you're kind of breaking the plane and i feel like it just yeah and she's got no body in it like mm-hmm. no base on the putt like no it is like all wrist and you're not gonna like i think she's almost doing that wrist to be like well if i miss it's gonna be close you know what i mean like, but the thing is like she throws it kind of hard too or it's, yeah. it's that's not the case especially when you're doing from like i'm like you're doing it from within bullseye yeah, you're gonna have a farther putt now. Like, there's just no confidence to it at all. It seems like, and like I said, I like you said, I think a complete switch has to happen. Yeah, so do something drastic. Like, and if it doesn't work, what's who gives a shit? Because it really <laughs> can't be the worst. Yeah, yeah, it's it gotta really be. Can. It's gotta be in and around the same. So just go do something completely off the wall. Like, man, I at least like Kona. You want to criticize what she does with her putt? At least she's like tweaks it mm-hmm. and like adjusts it and then now analyzes it. Like, and I don't know, I don't think Evelyn is doing it, but it just kind of feels like she's just going through it. Like with, like, I'm not going to hit this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not going to, it is what it is. Like it's the, it's the same thing as like some of those people that walk to a hole and go like, I got nothing. I got nothing for this. hole. Yeah. Like, we'll figure it out. Right. Like, you know, figure something out, do something different, like change it up. And like, I think she's got to get there, especially in the last. And I, I know how like, because she's going to be kicking off to Europe, and I understand what she's got to do over there, the pressure she's going to see over there, and it may not be the best time to try something different, but, like, yeah, something, something's just, you got to do something. And for those, the rest of those stats, it's just so... But the thing is, I always remember looking back at stats when we were, like, talking about last year, and the, the her, her punting stats were not like this. She no. was definitely was making a lot more pause, making, like, she was putting up amazing rounds. I just un- don't really see where the translation was lost. Yeah, there were... I think we only saw it in the, the what the European opening last year where she was in the final with a large lead and just lost. It. Yeah. And oh, like, yeah. That was that huge. Was brutal. Was and huge. like Hannah came back and won it. And it was so it's it's something that we've seen. It's something that's persisted. Mm-hmm. Right. So change. Do something. Fix it. Adjust. You know what I mean? That's the name of the game. Right. You're adjusting per hole. You're adjusting on angles. Every different shot. Why are you not doing it with your butt? 
you know what I mean? It's it's that large, especially when all the rest of her game is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I get the practice rounds of like, hey, where do I end up? Where do I land? Where's my next shot? The thought process behind that. But like, it's also just getting on the putt and just, you know what I mean? Like, and I really hope she works through it. And I really hope the players are helping. I can't, I can imagine that they are, you know what I mean? And, and it, a testament to her, like she's, she still smiles. You know what I mean? It's, she still seems to be having fun, but I know it's getting to her. It's got to get to her. It's Nobody can do. miss those putts and not get to them. Mm-hmm. Like nobody can. I um, think part of that might affect her the entire round, you know, on the confidence yeah. level. So hopefully we do see that switch. Hopefully we do see the improvements. Last person I want to touch on for the FPL field was the first time we've seen Haley King in quite a while. What are your thoughts on her after coming to the, after concluding the first major? I I would say it was a yo-yo week for her. You know coming I mean? out tied for the first after round one. Yeah, uh, she's she definitely yo-yoed. Had, was positive. You know what I mean? Was over shot over for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I don't know what to expect out of Haley right now. I I really don't know which Haley we're gonna get at, still at this point, and I think. Haley gets stronger as she plays every week and she hasn't done that yet. So is this game, is this round a yo-yo? Yeah. But I think if she, when she starts getting into the swing and things and starts stacking tournaments, she's going to come away with a W this year. I I, think so. I do. Yeah. I I will say, I think she's going to come away with a win. Um, it may be a silver, maybe something small, but she's going to get a W. Yeah. Yeah. Not taking top 10 in the first major back. Yeah. And that's, you know that Haley King has been in question for a little bit now. Of and is she a top? Woods, yeah. You know, and we—that's what we think, Haley. We think Haley would. You do, and, this, and we think this, it's long circle two yeah. pots. It just it seems like we've seen. It's been a while. It feels so we've seen everything click, and I yeah. really hope we see it. And I, I think we will. I really do think we will. And I, I think this is the one thing, like where I don't. Again, I'm not speaking on Avelina, where I see like, hey, do something or change. Mm-hmm. I think Haley does. I think Haley's really working on different aspects of her games. I think she's really working on her mental game. Um, I think that's going to help her in the long run. Will it show quick dividends? Maybe not. But it's going to be something that you will see maybe towards the end of the year. Kind of similar to a cat, right? Like okay. we all we had those runs where it's like, what's cat doing? She needs to get better. She needs to improve. And then all of a sudden she started stacking, and now it's not even a debate. So I, I think she could be along those same lines. She's got the drive. She's got the accuracy. I think it's just when things come off the rails, she doesn't know how to react or it gets difficult on the next shot. She takes her last shot to her next one. I, I think a lot of that. And that's kind of a tournament to Evelina because she doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. She's missing seven-foot putts, and she's still hitting the next drive. Yep. You know what I mean? So, like, that's kind of the testament. Like, that's as much of being a professional as it is practicing and everything along those lines. So I think it's cool that uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out. And, uh, she'll get a win. I, I, I feel confident that she'll get a win. But I could see why people would question it right now. I could. I'm definitely I, I really, questioning it. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying it's happened because I still have a lot of faith in Haley King. She's been a pick of mine for a while now, and I think that she has all the aspects of being a great disc golfer. I think she's just one of those people that the consistency doesn't follow. I will say, man, like she kind of like a majors are kind of – she has some poor performance with some majors. You know, I mean, I think uh, yeah, the I think I agree with that. Where she dropped out of the top, or where she fell. That being said, yeah. like her biggest one is the DGP, DGP, DGPT finale. Yes, that's, but, that's true. That's a big point. 
<laughs> well, you know, that's going to wrap up this episode of The Spit Out, talking all about the first major of the season. I think it was a success. Congratulations to Dickerson Page. and Paige Pierce. Uh, next week, we're coming at you with Jonesboro. Make sure to tune in Friday for Kirby's Disco. We have some nice things coming at you with the 420 special. But hopefully, see you guys there. <laughs>